So I, I don't have any real important announcements to announce right now. So you know what that means? That means we get to dig in. Come on, y'all. So, hey, we started a series last week. By the way, um, if I can have that clock on back there, if, if that can get working, because it's dangerous for a preacher not to have a clock. Hey, Lord. Uh, but, but last week, we got started uh, a series called Causes. And we're uh, digging into the, the causes of why some things happen in, uh, in a lot of cases, the causes why things don't happen. And uh, what we did last week is we started talking about some of the causes that, that people would always bring up in a, a time of trial or a time of sickness or something like that, that really, according to the Bible, aren't the real causes. You know, they're, they're more what, what we called sacred cows. Uh, and and we, we took the sacred cows and we slew them last week and we made hamburgers and I grilled it. So, uh, and... and and, and, you know, sacred cows, that, that's where they best belong is on the grill. Uh, so so we, we identified causes that the people would say things that, well, you know, stuff like everything happens for a reason and it must have been God's will and so on. And if you missed that, I got to tell you, go to FCCPodcast.com or you can ex- access our podcast directly off of our website, FaithCCenter.com. Definitely worth listening to because what we're dividing up the series into what what was last week the 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 things people say are causes that really aren't the causes the things that are myths but aren't the real causes what we're going to talk about tonight is what are some of the real causes of why things don't happen or why there's a a prayer failure or faith failure or an expectation failure and so on and then next week is going to be a, a very important ending to this because we're going to talk to you about how to react the right way when you don't know the cause. So that's next week. But tonight, we're going to go ahead and dig into what are the causes. Now, last week, you see, time flies when you're having fun. So there's one thing I didn't get to you last week, so I'm going to give that to you right now. Uh, uh, how, how many of you, as we're talking about, as we were talking about last week, some of those uh, myth causes uh, of why things happen? How many of you ever heard, well, maybe the Lord just put that on you to teach you something? Amen. See, I, I ran out of time to get to that one. But, but here, here's the problem. Most of the time when people are saying that, they're, they're referring to sickness or something like that. Well, the Lord may just put that on you to teach you something. And the problem is, is that... People don't think twice about either going to the doctor or taking medicine to to get away from the thing that God gave them so they learn something. Now, if God gave it to you to teach you something, you need to not be going to the doctor to get get away from your lesson. You need to learn your lesson. But the thing is, most people that I've ever heard say such a thing have never been able to identify what the lesson was to begin with. So therefore, let's consider this, that Jesus in his ministry, and this is recorded in Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 9, that he went round about the villages teaching, preaching, and healing. How many of you have ever read that in your Bible before? Matthew 4 and Matthew 9. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Well, I would have to say this. It, uh, it wouldn't make sense to me if, if, 
if the teaching part was to put something on you and then the healing part was to take that thing right off you, what kind of sense would that make? You see what I'm saying? So in the, in the Bible, how did, how did Jesus teach in the Bible? He taught the word. He didn't teach you by saying, well, there you go. Now learn something real good and learn it before you die. No, he taught the word. The, the Bible says in Luke chapter five and chapter six that the multitudes came to hear him and to be healed. Well, what they came to hear, they came to hear his teaching as a result of the teaching. Did they get something so they could learn their lesson? No, as a result of the teaching, faith came to them. They got healed. So, so the idea of God put that on you to teach you something is another one of those myths. So I didn't get to it last week. So I just had to hit it real quick before we start tonight. So there it is. Woo. I feel better. Praise the Lord. Uh, Let's look at uh, some of our foundational scriptures. Galatians 6 and verse 7. And it says, uh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And another one is Proverbs 26, 2 out of the King James Bible, the original King James. As the bird by wandering and as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Which means this, that when the curse comes, there's a cause. And uh, what we're going to deal with tonight is we're going to deal with what the Bible identifies as causes. Why some things happen, why some things just don't work. And we're going to go ahead and dig into that and identify some things that the Bible identifies. One biggie, that we'll get started with here tonight is called lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowing something. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And how many times uh, that uh, somebody can be really taken advantage of because of something they don't know. They might be a believer, but they've never been taught their, their rights and, and, and privileges in Christ. They've never been taught their authority in Christ. So they just kind of stand there and take that and take it and take it and take it. And they're ending up being a, a, a punching bag for the enemy and not knowing that, uh, wait a minute, I can resist him and he'll flee. Rather than just sit there and take every blow, he wants to send your way. And it's not that the enemy won't try to attack you, but my goodness, we ought not be just standing there and taking it. Some people stand there and take that because they don't know better. Knowledge is so key. Some people just live with stuff because they don't know they're redeemed from it. They don't know that that's part of the package deal that Jesus provided uh, in his redemptive work. They don't know that that not only is forgiveness of sins provided in that work, but healing for your bodies is provided in that work. Peace and soundness for your mind is provided in that work. I mean, it is the whole the the whole package deal of every good thing that heaven's got. That's what is available in Christ. And if people don't know that, then they'll put up with things that they don't have to put up with. 
interesting thing. Uh, how many of you remember in scripture the, the, the woman known famously as the woman with the issue of blood? Well, the thing that changed her life forever is the scripture says in Mark 5 that she heard of Jesus. Isn't that right? So prior to that, she was spending money on doctors trying to get fixed and was frustrated because no doctor could fix her. When she heard of Jesus, that's when she pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. That's when she said, if I could only touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. Because she heard something, knowledge came to her. And therefore, she wasn't in the land of the ignorant anymore. She was in the land of the informed. And she went after the ones whom she was informed about and received healing and wholeness in her body. Now, this is a biggie. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. This says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. One of the biggest aspects of lack of knowledge is a lack of knowledge not about Not just about how the Lord works and the good things he's provided for you, but a lack of knowledge about how your enemy works. I'm going to wave at you tonight. Somebody needs to get that. So we are not ignorant of his devices. Now now flip this around. If we are ignorant of his devices, what's it mean? It means that he does get an advantage over us. Now, how many of you can be honest, and I'll be honest to you, I'll raise both hands to be honest with you. There was a time in your Christian life where because of being ignorant of his devices, Satan took advantage of you. He took advantage of our ignorance. But you see, not being ignorant of his devices, does he get an advantage now? No, no, no. The, the party's over now. <laughs> you found out who you are. You found out whose you are. You found out what you got. And, and as long as you hold on to that, believe that, and enforce that, glory to God, his days of partying on, on your, uh, at your cost, those days are over. Hallelujah. Amen. So, number one reason, lack of knowledge. Let's go into another thing. How about this? Lack of asking and seeking. Lack of asking and seeking as a reason why some things just aren't happening in your life. I mean, this can be the the most basic elementary thing. Yet, James said it, and we need to take a look at it. This is James chapter 4 and verse 2. James 4 and verse 2, it says, You lust and do not have. The word lust really means desire. You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And sometimes people have this subtle thing in their mind that, well, that's not the kind of thing that I can bring up to the Lord. What's up with that? We're talking about your heavenly father. We're talking about the one who... Who knows what you're thinking anyhow, so you might as well talk to him about it. 
It's not like, well, if I, if I don't talk to him about this, he won't know it. Come on now. Yeah. So, so the, the idea of there being anything that we would not uh, ask for. Now, now, are there some things that, that you shouldn't ask for? Yeah, I mean, if you keep on reading, it says, yeah, you do uh, ask for things and don't have them because you're, you're asking, the, the old King James word is you're asking amiss. You're, you're asking with wrong motives. So, I mean, you know, if, if you're going to go ahead and, and ask for somebody else's house, when that person is content living in their house and the house is not for sale and they want to keep it, guess what? You can pray till the cows come home. You know, I, I, I mean, consider this, you know, uh, people think, oh, I, I, there, there's a job that I want, so I'm going to pray that I get it. Well, here's the thing. There is a possibility that there might be a believer from another church that you don't even know about believing God for the same job. Only one person can get it. Think with me for a minute. And God's not a respective person. So God can't play favorites. That's why you can't play, pray for your sports teams. Oh, Lord. But, but who's going to get the job? You got two people that are believers that want the same job. You, you see, that, that, that's why th- these are some things that we need to understand and consider. You know, that, 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 that rather than saying, well, I want that job and therefore I'm going to go ahead and go after it. The first thing you need to do is say, Lord, what do you say about it? Because if the Lord says, yeah, that's for you, go after it. You got confidence in your prayer. You can go after it and say, hey, if Jesus say yes, nobody can say no and go after what's yours. Hallelujah. But the thing is, what did you do? You consulted the Lord about it. You asked the Lord about it. See that? Rather than just saying, I see something, what I want, and I'm just going to go after it. You see, uh, there are some things that are clear in the word. See, uh, your, your health there's no doubt about it. The, the, the fact that God wants your children saved and serving God, no doubt about it. The, 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 the fact that, that, uh, that, that God wants your needs met, no doubt about it. But it's interesting. Sometimes when we had Tuesday night prayer and I got to, I, we still take prayer requests, but it's another group that's actually handling the prayer requests right now. But very often I would get to see prayer requests firsthand and I'd see something like, uh, I never planned on going here. So this is, this is fun. Here we go. Uh, somebody would have write a prayer request, uh, pray that so-and-so gets custody of their, of their child. And you know what? I can't pray in faith about that. You know why? Because I don't know the character of the person I'm praying for. I don't know who they are from Adam. So I don't know if I'm praying that this child go into the custody of a good person or a maniac. Because I don't know. So I can't pray the way they're asking me to pray. You see that? So what I would do is I would say, Lord, I pray that this child would be put in the situation that is best for them. And put with the person that will best take care of them and bring them up in the ways of the Lord. I can pray that in faith, but I can't pray that Jojo would, would get custody because I don't know who Jojo is. Also, in, in that context, uh, uh, you, you'd get financial prayer requests. 
And so somebody's praying for, for finances, for, for provision. Now, now there's no doubt about it. God wants your needs met. But it's amazing. I can tell you, there's been times that I've got that and I've got a check inside about how to pray. You know, a check, you know, just that little something go. Mm. You know, you, you want to go into autopilot and say, you know, Philippians 4.19 says, my God will supply all my needs. And, and that's true. That's the word, no doubt about it. But, but, but when the Lord's directing you a certain way, it's because he knows something. And I got to tell you, there's been times, more than once, when I get a prayer request like that, and I just get a check inside. And you know why? Because that person's not tithing. And I can pray till the cows come home for their finances. But if they're not obeying God in the area of their finances, I might as well say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. You know what I'm saying? I am wasting my time. So my prayer, when I get a check on that, my prayer is that the, the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened in the area of tithing and giving. That, that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him in this area. That they would get that revelation. That it would pop. That, 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 that they would, that, that they would uh, uh, realize it and start to do it. And then as a result of that, woo! Praise the Lord. The needs are starting to get met. The bills are starting to get paid. But, but here's the thing. See how God would direct a prayer like that? And oftentimes, we just get into autopilot. Oftentimes, we get into autopilot about our, about our own stuff. And a verse we're going to look at later tonight, if I can ever get back on track so, so I, we get there. But, but the Bible says in James 1 regarding asking, it says, but let him ask in faith. So it's talking about asking for wisdom. And God will give you liberally to you. God's generous with his wisdom. He's not stingy. He'll lay it on you. But when it comes to asking, it says, but ask in faith without wavering. So, so you're very quick to ask a lot of times, but you haven't gotten in faith. So, so this is faith up here, all right? So if you get a need and you just ask about it, but you're not in faith, you know what you're doing? I'm going to spell it out for you. You are wasting your time and wasting your breath. Because if you're not asking here in faith, the Bible says that, 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 that if you ask in faith, uh, nothing wavering. Because if you are wavering, then you're like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and toss. And it says, do not let that person think that they will receive anything of the Lord. We're talking about causes. You see that? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. My goodness, we're totally off track, but I'm having fun. All right. Now, a lack of seeking and asking. Check this out. This is Second Chronicles 16. Glory to God forevermore. This is about King Asa. Check this out. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. And his malady was severe, yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Verse 13. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the 41st year of his reign. 
Now, somebody would read that and I'd say, yeah, that King Asa, he's never gone to the doctor. No, that's not the point. The point is not that he went to the doctor. The point, if you go back to the other verse, the, the, the first verse, uh, verse 12, it says that King Asa did not seek the Lord about this thing. Can we get that other verse up, verse 12, just so everybody can see it again? And his malady was severe, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I am convinced that why would this be in the Bible? I believe God puts things in the book on purpose. I believe God was saying that if he ever did seek the Lord about it and talk to me about it, that I would have been able to do something about it. And you wouldn't have somebody dying an early death because of a severe case of athlete's foot. You know what I'm saying? All right, moving right along. Hey. <laughs> now, check this out. I'm talking about the kings of Israel. And you can find this in 2 Chronicles 25, 5 through 9. It's a story of a king named Amaziah. Let's talk about finances for a minute. This king here went and he was uh, looking to go into battle. And he hired uh, the, uh, the army of Israel to come and fight with him. Because that was at the time where he was the king of Judah and the northern kingdom uh, uh, was uh, Israel. And, and the, the kingdom was split. So you had two tribes in the south and all the other tribes to the north. So you had Israel and Judah. So Amaziah, who was king of Judah, hired an army of Israel to come and fight with him against an enemy. For 100 talents of silver, which in modern day equivalency is millions of dinero. And after doing this, a man of God comes to him and says, hey, um, Amaziah, uh, the Lord's not with Israel. And if you, if you take Israel with you into this battle, all I got to say is good luck with that. You're going to fall flat on your face. And you know what the reaction was? Of course, it's the same reaction you would have. But what about the money? <laughs> because what happened? You see, he made an investment before he made an inquiry. Oh, Lord. He made an investment. He could have talked to that man of God about it and found out the instruction that he needed from the Lord ahead of time. But instead, what did he do? He made that investment first. And then found out that it was a bad investment. Should have prayed about it first. You see that? So that is once again an example of a lack of asking or a lack of seeking. Because if he would have sought, he would have found. Like Jesus said, you ask, you receive, you, you, you seek, you find, you knock, it'll be open to you. If he sought some wisdom, he could have had some wisdom and he could have saved himself a bunch of money. But even so, let me tell you how the story ends. And this is God's mercy. So the man of God said to him, Regarding the money, because the king said, oh, what about the money? Because he said, if I don't take this army with me, I'm out all that money that I invested. 
And the man of God, his closing statement to him was this. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Now, he must have added something like this. But you better learn your lesson. <laughs> but the Lord is able to give you much more than that. But, but you, the, the real moral of the story here is that he should have sought the Lord's direction first before he just invested in something. A lack of seeking, a lack of asking can get us uh, into trouble in, in many different ways. How about this? How about knowing the word but not doing it? Well, 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 well. You know, James 2, 26 says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead, or you might say faith without corresponding actions is dead. A very, very wonderful verse in the Bible that we all need to get is James 1, 22, that says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And what's the deception? The deception is that hearing it is good enough. Oh, yeah, I heard a good word. Yeah, that was a good word. Oh, Lord, that was a good word. Child, let me tell you, that's a good word. But there's a failure to act. You know, Jesus, in uh, the end of his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 24 to 27, he said there, there was a, uh, uh, somebody who heard his sayings, and did them, and the, the person who heard and did, he said, I'm going to liken them to a wise person who built his house on the rock, and, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on a rock. And he said, there's the other person who hears the same thing, but does not do them. And they're like a foolish person who built their house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, understand this. They heard the same word. They experienced the same storm. And yet they had two totally different results. God does not guarantee you that you, everybody in the body of Christ is going to have the same results. He does not guarantee that. He says, if you do it this way, you'll have this kind of result. But if you do it this way, you'll have that kind of result. Now, God already made it clear. So there's nobody who's going to go ahead and be like the foolish man who did not do the word and build his house on the sand. You're not going to have built your house on the rock results. And we just need to understand that and get that and face that. That if we want those kind of results, then we need to do what needs to be done to get those kind of results. Hallelujah. Check this out. Hebrews 4 and verse 2. Really drives the same point home. Hebrews 4 and verse 2. This is a, an amazing verse. It says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Imagine you hearing the word and the word not profiting you. Someone said, Blasphemy, blasphemy. How can such a thing ever be? Well, obviously it can be because the word itself said so. 
The word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they heard it, but they did not get the profit. How the P-R-O-F-I-T, how, how did they not get profit from it? Because they did not mix it with faith. They did not mix it with faith, which is the act of uh, believing and then doing, corresponding action. Believing it, but knowing that just believing it is not good enough, it's also acting on it. And by the way, if you want to have a good understanding about causes and why everyone doesn't get the same results, all you got to do is read Jesus' explanation of his very, very eloquent parable, the parable of the sower. And you hear about four different kinds of ground that all got the same seed in it. And yet you had four different kinds of ground that gave you four different kinds of results. Same seed, same seed planted. It was the word that was planted. It was the holy word of God, the everlasting word of God that was planted. And yet out of four different types of ground, you had three that did not produce fruit. And you had one that did. And even within that one, you had a 30-fold. 60-fold and 100-fold. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I think we just need to let these things sink down into our hearts and, and, and understand this, that, that, that there are reasons why things may not be working and clicking the way you'd like them to be working and clicking. And if we examine ourselves and pay attention to these things and be diligent in these areas, I know based on the authority of the word of God that we will see an increase in results. Because if not, then God's a liar and he ain't a liar. So there's no other way. If you do it, it'll work. Praise God. Amen. And if you don't, it won't. How about this? Unbelief. Lord have mercy. Matthew 17. Unbelief is a big problem. You know, unbelief is one of those things kind of like judging. You know, nobody thinks they're judging. I'm not judging, but, you know, nobody ever thinks they're judging. And, you know, in the, in the same way, no ever, nobody ever thinks they're doubting. Well, I'm not doubting God, but. Well, you got your butt in the wrong place. Because you, you shouldn't be saying, I know God said that, but. You might say, I know the doctor said that, but God. That's a great sermon. Get your butt in the right place. Come on, somebody. Matthew 17. You ready? Verse 14. Check this out. We're talking about unbelief as being one of the causes why we would fail to receive. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long should I be with you? How long should I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? 
So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say this, uh, to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, interesting thing, we, we, we see the, the, the primary reason stated by Jesus for why they could not cast out that devil was unbelief. And then as a side note towards the end, Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. People in the church debate, well, this kind of what? Is it this kind of demon or this kind of unbelief? And I got to tell you, I'm really not concerned about that right now. Because I think that the most important point for us to get is this. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to get results? Oh, stir us up, Lord, stir us up. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get results? I believe that if we get that, then we don't have to worry about whether it's praying and fasting for this or praying and fasting for that. We'll be tuned into God. We'll know what we need to do when we need to do it. We'll do it and get the job done and get the results we need. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Now, you remember Jesus in his hometown. Oh, Lord. I mentioned it last week. Yeah, we know you. We know your brothers. We know your sister. We know mom and dad. We know your cousins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who do you think you are? And so what happened? He said that Jesus did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The cause, the reason why Jesus could not flow in the supernatural there in the same way that he flowed in other places was their unbelief. Check this out. This is very important to get. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Check that out. The word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. What about people who don't believe? Then it does not effectively work in them. If it's true one way, then the the reverse is true. You see that? So if you believe, the word of God effectively works in you. But if you're not believing, then you are not allowing the word of God to effectively work in you, which means Jesus would want you to have the same results, the same power and potentials in the word to produce the results. But because the faith is not in part of the mix, you don't have the results. James 1. This is what I started to get into and I tried to get myself back on the tracks because I was having so much fun with it. But now we're going to go ahead and actually look at it rather than just quote it. James 1. And we're going to start with uh, uh, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Check this out. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts or wavers as the old King James Bible says is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man 
suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Wow. Talk about a cause for something not happening. That pretty much spells it out. That unbelief, that, that doubting, wavering, being double-minded, saying, oh, I believe God is coming through in my situation. And then the next day, oh, God, what am I going to do? And <laughs> you see that that's being double-minded or, or, or wavering, you know. Uh, it's kind of like uh, one of my mentors in the faith t- told of uh, uh, a guy who's in church and, you know, would sing Say, wanted to sing his favorite song. God, any rivers you think are uncrossable. God, any mountains you can't tunnel through. God specializes in things thought impossible. And he can do what no other power can do. And he'd get all excited. I mean, he just cut up the rug on that song. And then the next day, the pastor's having to deal with them, him and his wife, because they get into a fuss. And the, the fuss started because she said, well, it's about the start of the new school year and we need to get shoes for the kids. And he said, well, my God, what do you think I'm, I'm made out of money? So here he is one day being so eloquent, singing this faith-filled song and then trips over his little girl's pair of shoes the next day. Come on. So, so you see that? That's wavering. That's wavering. It's easy to do. It's very easy to do. But part of the discipline of this life is teaching yourself and training yourself not to do it. But to constantly speak the same thing, constantly be focused on the same thing. And therefore, you're not letting yourself get off track. That is a spiritual discipline, because believe me, it's discipline to do that. Because the natural trajectory of things is not to go that way. The natural flow is to do what that guy did and trip over his little daughter's pair of shoes rather than sing the song again. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, here's a biggie. Y'all ready for a biggie? Oh, Lord. A failure to walk in love and forgiveness. A failure to walk in love and forgiveness is one of the biggest causes that can keep you from receiving things that, that God wants you to have. Uh, check out Galatians 5 and verse 6. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Well, if faith works through love, and your love's not where it needs to be, then that's going to hinder your faith working if faith works through love. And how do you receive things from God? You receive things from God by using your faith. We understand that. The Bible makes that clear. So if we receive things from God by using our faith, and faith works through love... That tells me this, that if there's a problem with our love walk, there's a problem with our faith walk because it's kind of like driving your car when you don't have gas in the tank because love is the gas to your faith tank, somebody. 
First Peter 3, 7. Oh, Lord. Husbands, <laughs> likewise, dwell with them, them being your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That's big, y'all. Because one of the biggest places, the numero uno place, if you're married, to guard and make sure you're staying in love is with your spouse. Keeping that relationship right. Treating each other right. That is huge. That is huge. And the, the failure to do that can actually cause your prayers to be hindered. How many of you remember we read before 2 Corinthians 2.11 that says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. How many of you remember that verse? Now here's a secret that I did not tell you before. I saved it for now. Is that that verse is stated in the context of forgiveness. If you read the verses previous to that verse, you will see that the context in which Paul is speaking there is in the context of forgiveness. So the number one thing when you think of not being ignorant of the devil's devices is not allowing yourself to get into unforgiveness because it was in the very context of talking about forgiveness that he uttered these words, lest Satan should get an advantage over us for we are not ignorant of his devices. And the biggest way that Satan could get an advantage over you is through uh, a lack of walking in love and a lack of forgiving people. Jesus' words in Mark 11 were amazing. You know, he said, have faith in God. Whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and will not doubt in his heart, but will believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. And, 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 uh, uh, and what, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody so that your heavenly father may forgive you your trespasses. But if you don't forgive the neither will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. Can I just put it to you like this? There's nobody in the world who's worth having your pipes clogged over. Ain't nobody worth it. How about you just smile at someone and say, you ain't worth having my pipes clogged. Bye bye. (laughs) Ain't nobody worth it. Because if you allow that stuff in, a lack of love and a lack of forgiveness, you know what you're doing? You're clogging your pipes. Because you want everything that's supposed to go from you to heaven to get there. And you definitely want everything that's coming from heaven to you to get there. So you can't afford to have those pipes clogged. And the number one thing to look out for that can clog those pipes is a lack of forgiveness and walking in love. So ain't nobody worth it. You can say, I love you, but you just ain't worth it. Ain't worth what? Ain't worth having my pipes clogged between me and God. So I'm just going to love you anyway. Praise the Lord. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 11 now. 
And we're going to examine what the Bible says uh, is a cause for many people having either physical issues or just flat out checking out before they should be checking out. All right? This is 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 27. It says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, other translations say for this cause, same thing, for this reason, many. Now listen to that. This is not something that's identifying the problem that a few have. This is identifying the problem that many have. For this reason, Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Now, let me just tell you this about that word sleep. Other than here, that Greek word is used 17 other times. Three of those times it refers to sleeping, like sleeping. 14 of those times it refers to death. Okay? So other translations very accurately would uh, not use the word sleep, which is a euphemism for death. They just flat out saying, die early. Or, or some would even die. Now verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now, interesting. As we read this, I want you to understand uh, something that was going on in the context uh, of these statements. Earlier in this chapter, the 17th through the 22nd verse, Paul identifies that there's schisms and sects, S-E-C-T-S. Of course, there's that other word going on in Corinth as well, but that's that's not my point right now. Somebody will get that on the way home. Schisms and sects, S-E-C-T-S. They partook of the Lord's Supper in a way that neither honored the Lord's broken body nor his spiritual body, the church. So the way that they were treating the the Lord's table was not honoring the Lord's broken physical body by which stripes were healed. It wasn't giving any honor to him and and to, to his precious broken body. And it wasn't honoring each other, the fellow members of the body of Christ either. And so that is the the context in which this is happening and in which these words are being said. Now, this word discerning is a very interesting word because it says that for the cause of not discerning the Lord's body, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Now, this word discerning can mean this. It can mean uh, separating and literally, check this out, discriminating. Which is, what is discriminating? It's recognizing or drawing a distinction. All right? So think about this. That the, the, the cause why many people are weak and sick among us, and why many would even die early, is because of not discerning the Lord's body, 
not separating the Lord's body. Well, how do you separate the Lord's body? Well, it's the idea of I'm not going to go ahead and treat this as a whole hum kind of thing. I'm not going to go ahead and treat this as something that, that is common and is no big deal. No, no, no. I'm, I'm separating this moment. I'm focusing this moment. I'm focusing my attention and separating myself from everything else right now because this is too precious. This is too important. What he did for me is so precious that I got to separate this moment of sharing the Lord's table and experiencing the Lord's table from everything else. I cannot allow myself to be distracted from the holiness of this moment and the holiness of the one I'm celebrating. So you see that act of separating or, or recognize, drawing a distinction. No, this is not just any old table or any old supper. This is the Lord's Supper. So there's a sense of reverence, a, a sense of awe there that I believe the body of Christ desperately needs to have. And now there's a theme in the scripture that, that, that really has to do with separating the, the holy from the unholy and the clean from the unclean. There are several places in scripture that, that make that reference, separating the holy from the unholy and the clean from the unclean. So when you're separating, that's what you're doing. You're, you're, you're separating this. This is not just uh, 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 another, another thing we do in church. This is not just a, a, another meal that I get to have. No, this is the Lord's Supper. This is something that I'm doing with awe and reverence when I think about what he's done for me, when I think about the fact that his body was torn open for me and his blood was shed for me and it was by his wounds and by his stripes that I'm healed. When you recognize that, when you appreciate that, that's the way that you are really rightly discerning the Lord's body. However, the reference in scripture to the Lord's body is not only a reference to his physical body, Because as you read through the New Testament, you realize that it's the church. The church that's called the body of Christ. So when you're approaching the Lord's table and you're honoring and esteeming him and and, and reverencing him and, and having the understanding of the significance of what he did and what his broken body means to you. But this is not just about uh, the, the fact that we're approaching his broken physical body. This is also about how we approach the body of Christ, which means how you approach each other. Because we must approach each other as the body of Christ with the same distinction. As we're giving him distinction, we, uh, we, we, we approach each other with the same distinction, correctly dealing with each other and loving the body with the same love in which, with which we would love the head. Are you with me on that? So when you're rightly discerning the Lord's body, you're rightly discerning not just Jesus broke 
physical body that was broken for you, but you also rightly discerning the Lord's body, that being the church. And you're taking that opportunity to say, I need to go ahead. And in the same way that I give reverence to the physical broken body of Jesus, I'm giving reverence to what he has done to draw people from every nation and tribe and tongue and bring them all together into this one universal unit called the body of Christ. And therefore, you have such a sense of oneness that if I harm you, I'm harming myself. And if I harm you, I'm harming Jesus, the head of the church. That's big. That's huge. But for this cause, many. So if you're going to spend time anywhere, you need to spend some time here. Because this is not the cause for a few people being weak and sick and checking out early. This is the cause for many people that have experienced that very thing. And I don't believe that this is a cause for many people way back then. I believe that this has been the biggest cause in every generation. And that's why the devil loves strife and division so much and would try to stir it up at every chance he gets. Because if he can get the body fighting against the body, cool. That's a big victory for him. Hallelujah. But as we close... Y'all want to close on an up note? Well, let me tell you something. Talk about causes for things not happening or things not happening the way you expected and working out the way you expected. Never forget this one. Giving up. I said giving up. Giving up is one big cause. Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, hang with me here for a minute. I I know it's late. I know what time it is. Don't worry. All right. In due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart, which means this, that if you do lose heart, will you reap? Answer me, somebody. If you do lose heart, will you reap? If you don't lose heart, will you reap? You see that? Very, very clear. And we need to remember that. And here's the thing. Although the devil is not like God, does not know everything. He's not all-knowing. He's not omniscient. That's the big word to describe that is. However, the devil can often tell, I believe, when, when you might be close to something. And so when you get close to something, he likes to turn up the heat in the kitchen on you. Because he said, all right. I got about one or two more days to get them to quit. And if I can't get them to quit within the next two days, it's over and they got it. They got victory. They got breakthrough. And, and the gig is done. So, so, so I believe that Satan, though he does not know all things, as a spirit being can see when you're close to something and, and want to turn up the heat. 
because he sees you close. But if you don't lose heart, if you don't lose heart, you will reap. And I thought as I read that today, losing heart, losing heart. Where have I read that before? And then I remembered the words of Psalm 27 verse 13 that says, I would have lost heart if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Someone say, don't give up. Don't give up. If you give up, you won't reap. But if you don't give up, you will reap. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray with me tonight. Lord, we honor you. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you, Lord, for planting this word in our heart and helping us to see things that we need to see about the, the, the causes, the reasons why things happen, the reasons why things don't happen, and to be able to examine this in the light of your word. And Lord, if there's anybody here tonight who does not know you.